It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Saturday, July 23rd, 2022. I'm Jared Halpern. Gas prices are falling and have been for about a month, but the refining capacity is still at risk. The biggest question is unexpected issues. And, and the, of those, hurricane season is really on the forefront of, of my mind. I'm Kevin Cork. Almost 200,000 acres of U.S. farmland are controlled by Chinese interests. But a particular 300-acre parcel in North Dakota is under intense scrutiny. That's in and of itself a national security concern. And it is one we need to pay attention to at a federal level to provide at least guidance, if not legislation, that protects our resources from nefarious activity from foreign entities that willingly come into our very open system. This is the Fox News Rundown from Washington. What did you pay to fill up your gas tank this week? Believe it or not, it was about 60 cents a gallon cheaper than a month ago when gas prices peaked. As of Thursday afternoon, the average price of regular gas, according to AAA, was 4.40 a gallon. And also, as of Thursday, prices had fallen, albeit modestly, for more than 35 consecutive days. White House economic adviser Jared Bernstein attributes that trend to steps President Biden has taken, like a historic release of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve and easing regulation on ethanol blended gasoline. What's happening here is a president who is working uh, tirelessly to uh, address the uh, largest constraint, probably the toughest constraint uh, facing uh, American households right now. Patrick DeHaan isn't so sure. I, I would say that they're not having a drastic impact, more uh, maybe negligible. The Han is head of petroleum analysis at GasBuddy, a website that tracks gas prices around the country. He warns while the U.S. is seeing prices finally ease, the risk for another spike is high. I would almost com- make the comparison where we are now to getting a lucky break. Uh, that is, demand has, has decreased because of high prices, and that's allowed supply to go up four out of the last five weeks. And it's that increase in supply that's been notable in turning things around. Uh, In addition, uh, we're talking about economic concerns and a slowdown in the economy as the Federal Reserve raises interest rates to tame inflation and that inducing the possibility of an economic slowdown or recession, which would limit oil consumption. And so that's all kind of I mean, that was the point of the the Federal Reserve taking these moves, right, was to try and, and do exactly what you're you're sort of pointing out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, this was intended, the Federal Reserve trying to slow the economy down. And indeed, that's that's, you know, that's why we have seen oil prices slow down and the possibility that if we do see an economic slowdown, oil demand will slow down. So, you know, we're getting exactly what the Federal Reserve wants. You know, what's sort of the the balance here? Because you say that that prices are are falling uh, in, in measure because folks are driving less, there's less demand. How low do they go before that trend sort of reverts back? And, and does that then sort of shoot prices back up? I mean, what, what, what's sort of the, the sweet spot, yeah. if you will? Well, you, you know, we're, we're in the closing innings of the summer driving season. Some kids are, apparently in Arizona have already gone back to school. So even amidst lower Yikes. prices, there's, there, there's likely a closing window of opportunity for motors to, to really take advantage. 
Um, mm -hmm. You know, a lot of motorists may have already made their travel plans for the rest of the summer and aren't, you know, likely to necessarily deviate because of, of a drop in gas prices. Now, keep in mind, while prices are down close to 60 cents a gallon in the last month, we're still at the highest level we've seen, right? We've never recorded mm -hmm. uh, a national average of 444. That's where we are. We've never recorded that aside from 2022. So though prices have come down, they're not exactly cheap. So that and a closing window as the summer fades into the closing innings here means that there may not necessarily be a huge increase in demand. Does that mean that prices will continue? Do you see this trend continuing? That you know, the, the release of the petroleum reserve, I think, goes for a, a little while longer. I know that three more months. Saudi, I think. Yeah, Saudi Arabia, some other countries have indicated at least through July and August they're going to increase uh, production. We don't know sort of mm -hmm. in the fall what that means. Um, so does this trend of of thirty plus days continue into into August? Continue for for another thirty plus days? Well, it really could. The biggest question is unexpected issues. And, and the, of those, hurricane season is really on the forefront of, of my mind here. As, as we get into August, uh, the peak of hurricane season is, is usually sometime in mid to late August or mid to late September um, is when we see the most activity in the tropics. And obviously coming off of Hurricane Ida last year, which permanently shut down a refinery in Louisiana because of damage, there is, again, the possibility that hurricanes disrupt the flow of oil and gasoline at refineries. So, you know, it's really a question of will Mother Nature spare us this year? Mm -hmm. There are forecasts uh, from the National Weather Service, from NOAA, uh, from Colorado State University, um, you know, where hurricane season forecasts are, uh, are part of their prestigious culture that, that indicate that hurricane season will be above normal. So, the biggest question isn't really, you know, where we'll be, but will we see these these events that are unpredictable and where would Mother Nature steer these storms? If we're talking about a Category 3 or, or more powerful storm um, heading for landfall between New Orleans and Houston, um, we may get a dose of, of rising gas prices yet again. And again, that wouldn't necessarily even need damage to a refinery. It would just have to be a threat that would shut down a refinery. Well, exactly. An evacuation, right. could, something like that. I mean, I've yeah, lived in, in hurricane country. Right. A few days out, you you leave town. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, will refineries lose days of, of, of production? Of yeah. you know, will they have to shut down because of power loss? A lot of the time, refineries do that because it also leaves them in a better position to pick up operations. So the real question is: Are we going to see the threat of hurricanes mm. at the nation's refineries? That that's really the biggest thing. It's it's not so much oil production now. Keep in mind, oil production is a big deal. We have a lot of platforms out in the Gulf of Mexico. But refining capacity, we've already seen the loss of a million barrels in refining capacity in the last three years. So, you know, if we get a hurricane amidst a time that demand has been weakened but is still fairly strong, you know, we could still be one super storm away from gas prices going right back up to $5 a gallon or potentially beyond. Wow. I mean, it just shows the unpredictability of, of the market. Um, to that unpredictability, are you seeing in Europe, for instance, where I know gas prices have been very high as well, are you seeing those prices sort of mirror what's happening here in the U.S.? Are they also on the decline? Um, you know, Europe is a whole different beast because of how they've interacted, <laughs> how they've cut off Russia. And, yeah. you know, over there... Um, you know, th there's been a decline in global oil prices, so to some degree, but the complexity with Europe is that the primary fuel that many vehicles use is diesel. 
And diesel's been in short supply because that Russian crude oil that the EU generally imports yields more heavy products like diesel. That's why mm. the EU has heavily relied on Russia. Um, and, and so this is, you know, heading into the winter, things are going to get perilously close to uh, to running into shortages in Europe, especially with, with refined products like diesel, um, but also natural gas. And especially because the U.S., uh, the Freeport LNG terminal fire uh, is prohibiting the U.S. from sending as much LNG over to Europe. So, you know, Europe is seeing a drop in the price of oil, but not necessarily the price of diesel, which remains in very high demand. And refineries in Europe share the fate as U.S. refineries. Many of them shut down during COVID and aren't coming back online. So it, it's still, we are walking on eggshells. Wow. I mean, you, you point to, to, so do you expect then the, because you, you sort of pointed out that some of the steps that the Biden administration has pointed to have really been negligible. Maybe they, they have helped so prices don't go up anymore, but are, are those policies then that are sort of sustainable long-term in your view? I mean, sure. Yeah. I mean, you, there's only so much you, you can't rela- you can't you can't continually release from no. the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. But no, you, you know that E fi- that E15 so, element that E15 element is something that nothing, I guess though. historically goes through the winter, right? Well, I mean, yeah. After the summer driving season, so E15, you need to issue waivers from May 1st, sorry, June 1st through September 15th. So okay. once September 15th is done, E15 comes back regardless of the waivers, but. That's not but that's not a huge supply. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not moving the needle. We have far bigger problems. And if we don't get, you know, a few more lucky breaks, if we can get through hurricane season unscathed, we're going to be in a better spot. But that doesn't mean we're also, you know, sitting on lavish oil and gasoline supplies either. That means we barely made it through the summer. Right. And if we do get a hurricane, we are going to realize very quickly that that inventories are still tight. Is that then... What would ha- does it then become sort of a question of what what does the Middle East do? What does Saudi Arabia do? Well, it's more a question of if Europe will survive the winter. Mm. I mean, speaking frankly, um, they're going to have some tough decisions, and I wonder if Europe is going to bre- uh, going to bend this winter. And Russia could break Europe. They could break the unity that Europe is now experiencing because Russia has Europe, you know, in a very very because tough of the spot. energy reliance. Exactly. Yeah. And because the U.S., especially because this Freeport fire, the, the Freeport LNG terminal fire, Europe is looking for lifelines and you don't build Rome overnight. And that's the problem Europe is going to be contending with, is that you just don't have enough infrastructure there to support their basic needs because of Russia. And that's why I wonder if Russia cuts them off for the rest of the year, Europe is not going to be in a good place. And you're going to be talking about rationing. You're going to be talking about a lot of extreme measures. And that's just for basic survival. Wow. So, I mean, a good trend line that we've seen over the last month. But as you point out, it, it is a perilous time in, in the uh, marketplace and, and a lot of questions remain. Listen, I appreciate you breaking this down, making it easy to understand. Uh, this is such a big issue for, for so many families as they're uh, looking to, to fight inflation and the rising cost at the pump. And, and I know you're, uh, you guys have a resource out there for folks as well to track all of this. I appreciate you uh, helping us out and, and explaining all of it. Hey, my pleasure. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
Of all the places for a Chinese food conglomerate to buy 300 acres to set up a milling plant, why buy near Grand Forks, North Dakota? Locals there wonder too, and now their concerns have reached the eyes and ears of lawmakers in the nation's capital. Indeed, the project's proximity to a major U.S. military communications hub. Has turned what might have been a sleepy sale into a potential national security nightmare. In a previous life, I was this North Dakota's economic development director in the、uh, Governor Schaefer administration. So I understand how local communities want to raise the standard of living in their community and secure、uh, investment opportunities and jobs. North Dakota Republican Senator Kevin Kramer thinks the plans are ripe for further scrutiny. At the same time. We are living in an economy where there are many more job openings than there are people to fill those jobs. We are living at a time when、um, you almost have to poach from your neighbor to have a, a the, you know the workforce that you need to be successful. And and,、uh, and North Dakota has got a low unemployment rate, although we've had a low unemployment rate for a very long time.、Um, but between our agricultural industries, technology, aerospace industries,、uh, and、uh, certainly energy. We can be a little bit pickier, shall we say? I think you can be a little bit choosier than than this one. But yeah, the the governor, the 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 economic development shop, the commerce department, the, the local community—they all need to be actively pursuing economic opportunities for their people, and then to be able to attract more people to the community. So, absolutely a legitimate role for the mayor and a concern. And yet, we're talking about a property that's about twelve miles, or give or take twenty minutes of driving,、uh, from Grand Forks Air Force Base. It's a major U.S. military installation, but I think there's more to it. When you think about, we're talking F-35, we're talking about drone technology.、Uh, from a defense perspective, I think that would really seem to raise a red flag. Well, it does raise a red flag. The f- first thing, though, that raises the red flag is that the facility is going to be a corn milling. Plant and Grand Forks County in northern North Dakota, while it grows some corn, is not the heart of corn country. So, so that was the first concern: is like why, why this place? But the proximity to the Air Force Base, it's, it's not, not not all Air Force bases or all military bases are created equal. Grand Forks is a reconnaissance wing. It, it specializes in flying right now Global Hawks,、um, which are a very critical ISR. Aircraft that collects a lot of data on the ground and sends that data, you know, for analysis and and for、uh, all kinds of、um, military activity, both on the ground and and elsewhere. That that mission will be growing, and they know that in Grand Forks, the Air Force intends to、um, replace the Global Hawks in a matter of about half a decade with、uh, the next generation of ISR. Aircraft, and I have to leave it at that because so far, so far, it's still a black operation.、Um, mm-hmm. So, so its importance is, is gaining. Not only that, but in working with the Space Force and Space Development Agency, Grand Forks Air Force Base now is housing the very first Space Development Agency ground station for controlling satellites, low Earth orbiting satellites. In other words, there's going to be a lot of data going up and down、uh, around Grand Forks and the Grand Forks Air Force Base. And the, the the concern, of course, being able to secure that very critical and very confidential classified data, and、uh, the Chinese Communist Party has proven to be very effective at stealing intellectual property,、um, you know, forcing technology transfer transfers,、uh, corporate espionage, and、uh, obviously have also demonstrated a real aggression 
and aspiration to be not only the economic powerhouse of the world, but a military power, powerhouse as well. And that's got to enter into the equation. And your concerns are shared by Senator Hoven, by Marco Rubio, a Republican from the great state of Florida, and others. I want to share this. Uh, this is from Officer Major um, Jeremy Fox. He actually wrote this in a memo. Uh, very interesting. Major Fox wrote, some of the most sensitive elements of Grand Forks exist within the digital uplinks and downlinks inherent to unmanned air systems, which is what you were just alluding to. And what right. he's basically saying is we're talking about a significant national security risk that could cause grave damage to the U.S. strategic advantages. And so it seems to make sense. And yet I'm wondering, how does something like this happen? And and for the record, uh, it's not just this particular concern. There are, I want to say, millions and millions of acreage that are owned in this country, in particular farmland, by the Chinese government. So a two-part question. One, when you read a memo like uh, Major Fox's memo and when people like yourself who are at the highest levels of U.S. intelligence express concerns, what can be done to maybe take a closer look at this or perhaps even head it off at the pass? The second part is... If we can't, if the U.S. can't do anything about it, what can be done to protect our interest while at the same time allowing the free enterprise? Yeah, so there's a lot to unpack there. But let, let's start with the, the free enterprise part of it, because one of the things that I, as a conservative and Senator Hoban, Senator Rubio and others um, believe strongly in is private property rights. We believe in states' rights and, and federalism. We believe that local communities ought to have a, you know more control, not less control, uh, except when it comes to a couple of issues, and the most significant one being, of course, national security, where the federal government has an important role to play. So right. when it comes to uh, you know landowners' opportunities or ability to, to sell his or her land to a high bidder, um, we, we don't like to get in the way of that, obviously. Um, but the purpose of the purchase matters. So it's not just so much about who owns it, but what is their purpose? I think it's really interesting. You know, we, we like to focus a lot on the Air Force Base and the uplinks and downlinks and, and uh, digital downlinks as, as the major wrote about. But there is a there is a broader concern here. And, and frankly, I think this is what's at the heart of much what, what Mark Rubio is concerned about, as he's expressed it to me. And by the way, Mark Warner, the, the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee, has also come out in, in opposition to this transaction. And that is Virginia. That, exactly. And, and what's happened is foreign entities, China specifically and in particular, and obviously specific to this case, is buying up a lot of, of uh, food supply chain, shall we say. Um, mm -hmm. They already own, as you know, major meatpacking facilities in the United States. They control a good piece of our supply chain for food that that the vulnerability of that was exposed during the pandemic, as well as the vulnerability of other supply chains. Kevin, think things like. Um, pharmaceuticals, right, and, and um, you know, protective gear and, uh, you know, energy. So, it, but, but food is one of those supply chains that is important to everybody. And we are a major food producing state, a major food producing country, of course. We export uh, a lot of food. But when you start exporting the entire value chain, uh, you now leave yourself vulnerable to not just foreign entities, but adversarial foreign entities, if they own that supply chain and you end up in another pandemic or some other type of a crisis whereby mm. that food supply becomes extremely important. So, so, and that's in and of itself a national security concern. Um, and it is one we need to pay attention to at a, I believe at a federal level to provide at least guidance, if not legislation that protects our resources 
from nefarious activity from foreign entities that willingly come into our very open system, right? I mean, you and I couldn't go buy 370 acres of land near a Chinese Air Force base in, you know, in China uh, because they wouldn't allow us to. We're obviously a much more open economic model and economic system, and we appreciate that and like that, but we do have to protect ourselves uh, against nefarious activity. Chinese owners currently control more than 192,000 ag acres in the U.S. at a net worth roughly $2 billion, and that's including land use for farming and ranching and forestry. Uh, This is a very big story, and I think most Americans might be shocked, especially when you're talking about something so close, not just to, as you pointed out, our food chain, but we're also talking about very close to national security interests as well. Uh, Before we let you go, I just want to make sure that we're giving the folks at home a real fair snapshot of the major concerns that you have and that your colleagues have, and what, if anything, will come of your concerns. Wrap it up for us. Sure. So this is why Senator Rubio, Senator Hogan, and I have asked for a CFIUS review. CFIUS is the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States. Um, We sent the letter to two members of that committee, the chairman of the committee, uh, Janet Yellen, the Secretary of uh, Treasury, and then uh, Secretary Lloyd Austin, Secretary of uh, Defense, um, the, the CFIUS committee is made up of, I think, it's 14 cabinet officials and White House officials with two more ad hoc uh, members. It includes everybody from USDA to defense and intelligence and all of the, all the law enforcement agencies, of course, including then, uh, the, you know, Council of Economic Advisors and National Security Council, all of those, the obvious players, I should just say. And um, together, they'll do a review. It'll, it'll be a uh, generally, it calls for a 45-day review, and if after that review, the various agencies can express whatever concerns or things that they identify as as concerns and what, how concerned they are, and then that that information will be instructive, I think, for the state and for the local community to decide whether they want to unwind this transaction. I believe, Kevin, if I was to predict, my my sense is that there will be several concerns raised that, that they'll be concerning enough that a patriotic community like Grand Forks, which loves its Air Force Base, will exercise, to their credit, will exercise the the powers that they put into this deal. In other words, um, they didn't just simply turn over 370 acres of land. They they did put a lot of guardrails in this transaction, including um, clawback provisions to take property back, to take incentives back, to to undo this without penalty, um, if in fact there, there are concerns raised, national security concerns raised. If this review provided concerns but not specific threats, um, they can then enter into a 45-day investigative period. I don't think that will be needed, but if it is needed, they can do that. And then if there are risks that are that are identified that, that are difficult to mitigate or can't be mitigated or won't be mitigated, the President of the United States does have the authority to do a 15-day review and actually prohibit the transaction from going forward. I'm quite certain that will not be necessary. But people need to be, be very comfortable with this. The mayor and the, the, the governor and others have been have requested this. They, they requested it before um, we did. We as senators added our our uh, whatever muscle we have to to the request. And um, and it's, I, I do believe that it's going to be honored. And I think it'll be very instructive. I think in the interest of balance, I should also add that uh, a spokesperson for the Chinese embassy in Washington, Lia Penghuyu, uh, said that, uh, quote, we oppose the malicious generalization of the concept of national security when speaking about the 
for lack of a better description, the hullabaloo surrounding the purchase of this particular parcel of land. And and I should also add this too, Senator. I've had a chance to go to Grand Forks, great town, uh, very interesting community there, and there has been a groundswell of concern to the degree people are now posting signs in yards and asking what, if anything, we can do on the ground to make sure that our voices are heard. I think it's a fascinating story, and we certainly appreciate your time today. Well, I'd say, first of all, to those citizens, they have been heard. They've been very effective at sounding the alarm. They have been active and um, they've created, you know, they've, they've created the right environment for this discussion to take place and for this review to take place. And I think on what, regardless of what side you started out on on this uh, issue, uh, I think the CFIUS review hopefully will provide a comfort level so that a very united patriotic Grand Forks can come back together um, you know, around all the other things that matter so much. So, yeah, it's it's been an interesting deal to watch. And, and frankly, it's a, it's really a con- contribution to American national security because, to your point, a, a lot of these have taken place over the years and the decades, but the time matters and the place matters. And we are at a time and at a place where China's nefarious actions um, have snuck up on us, and the aggregation of that is, as you've already described, Kevin, um, it, it is concerning, and we need to scrutinize all of these things with, with a better lens, shall we say. I think we'll all be watching this so carefully in the days, weeks, and months ahead. Kevin Kramer, Senator from the great state of North Dakota, thank you for your time. Thanks for the opportunity, Kevin. Tomorrow on the Fox News Rundown from Washington, what was happening inside the White House for 187 minutes as a riot broke out at the U.S. Capitol? That question was at the center of a primetime hearing for the January 6th committee. Chad Pergram and I will review the testimony and how the summer of hearings is playing out in Congress and on the campaign trail. Until then, I'm Jared Halpern. Thanks for listening to the Fox News Rundown from Washington. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.